Welcome, Hooded Thunkers. This month's special Halloween-themed episodes are a Fright Fest episodes, but this one in particular is about Fright Fest itself, and this is the second to last episode this month. The last Fright Fest episode this year will be released October 29th, just two days before Halloween. But before the Fright Fest finale next week, I wanted to talk about Fright Fest itself and do a bit of a variety episode celebrating all things spooky. So, we are nearing the end of the month of October, the first month that fall is fully in swing. Here in my home of Pennsylvania, the leaves change to beautiful colors of bright yellow, red, and orange. The muggy hot air of summer is long gone. I get to go back to wearing uh, big comfy hoodies and football is back on TV. But what October is best known for is the very last day of the month, Halloween. The one day a year I can wear a cape, put on eyeshadow, wield a lightsaber, and party with my friends as if I'm a bona fide Sith Lord from Star Wars. Every year, I like to check the local thrift store and Spirit Halloween to make my own costume. This year, I've decided to go as Tachanka. He is a Russian Special Forces character from a video game I used to play called Rainbow Six Siege. I love Halloween. I love getting dressed up like a character like Tachanka and drinking beers with my friends while we all look ridiculous. It adds a lighter feel to the social atmosphere. This month, I decided to do Who to Thunk It Fright Fest as an homage to AMC's Fear Fest. Every year during October, the TV network AMC would have Fear Fest, and you could watch back-to-back horror movies all month long. My dad and I love sitting down to watch old classic scary movies. So let's begin with some of my favorite horror movies. These are movies I think you should watch if you want to see a good quality horror flick. Fear not, pun intended, although I will be discussing the plot and story of these movies. I'll make sure not to spoil any key points or twists. Also, it's very important to note, after picking out three of my all-time favorite horror movies, I noticed all of them are very much not okay for kids to watch. <laughs> um, I'm not just saying that because of the they are R-rated. I actually disagree with the Motion Picture Association's rating system. They're incompetent, in my view. No, I'm saying if my buddy asked me in a casual setting, hey, do you think my 12-year-old son or daughter could watch these movies? I would adamantly say no. I watched some of them as a very young age, and I kind of regret it. They all have tons of gore. Anyway, the first on our list is John Carpenter's The Thing. Released in 1982, starring Kurt Russell, Keith David, and the recently deceased Wilford Brimley. Yes, the star of the diabetes PSA that that became a meme, that Wilford Brimley. This movie is perhaps my favorite horror movie of all time. The story is about an outpost of American scientists in Antarctica. They are a bunch of old, scruffy white guys researching stuff until one day, a helicopter comes over the horizon, and one of the men on board is firing a rifle at a Siberian husky dog for no apparent reason. The chopper and the dog are headed straight for the American research outpost, whose scruffy inhabitants are bewildered at what they are seeing. Rightfully so, you would be too if you saw a chopper uh, shooting at a dog. The story gets progressively crazy, resulting in one of the most terrifying premises I have ever seen in a movie, until the ending that leaves you horrified by its implication. It is a wild, wild ride, but it never gets to be too confusing. John Carpenter's directing gives great pacing, and Rob Botton's special effects are nothing short of a spectacular or nothing short of spectacular. Botton worked so hard on this movie, he succumbed to exhaustion and had to be hospitalized. This is and this is 1982, so there's no CGI, no tacky soulless CGI. And um 
all of it's like just brutal cornstarch made to look like blood and guts. Uh, I love it. <laughs> Watch the 1982 version of The Thing, and when you are done, you can download the popular free mobile game Among Us. No, I'm not sponsoring Among Us. It's just that that game has a very similar premise to this movie, but that's all I'll say. Next movie is another sci-fi horror. It's called Event Horizon. Just watched it last night with my girlfriend and her sister. There are a couple of things I like to look for in a movie for me to call it one of my favorites. Among other things, I ask, was it original? Is it an original idea? So much today, movies are not original. They're sequels or reboots or yada, yada, yada. Did a movie make me think about it long after the end credits rolled, even for the next couple of days? Did the acting feel real? Did the movie treat me like an idiot and spoon feed me every single point that was going on in every scene? Or did it give me a premise and let my own imagination run wild? The Event Horizon checks all those boxes. It's starring Sam Neill. He's the original Jurassic Park guy. Lawrence Fishburne. Um, is it too old to refer him as Morpheus from The Matrix? Am I dating myself there? I don't know. But he, for younger listeners, he's the homeless guy from John Wick. It also has John, Jason Isaacs. Uh, in my opinion, he's a very underrated actor. And those are just the cast members I know uh, in, in other movies or other shows. The rest of the cast also knocks it out of the park. They're amazing. The movie released in theaters in the summer of 1997. It was a crowded movie, or crowded summer for movies. So the competition was pretty tough uh, for, the, for Event Horizon's debut. It didn't help that critics seemed to hate the movie. <clears throat> and to this day, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 28%. That's why you should always form your own opinion, folks. Event Horizon deserves way better than 28%. <clears throat> and I'm doing, not the only one that thinks so. The movie has gathered its own cult following since 1997. Other deep-thinking weirdos such as myself seem to love the abysmally dark premise that the movie gives. <clears throat> In my opinion, Event Horizon does horror right. Um, because along with it being a genuinely disturbing and fun movie to watch, <clears throat> it proposes a horror that may actually exist, like the movie poster says, quote, infinite space, infinite terror. The event horizon takes place in the year 2047, <clears throat> when humans have begun to look outward into space. The event horizon is the name of the very first ship sent far out into our solar system using a, quote, gravity drive to basically teleport the ship thousands of light years away uh, by folding space and time. The gravity drive in the movie looks so cool. It's this big black and it rotates all ominously. You can tell it isn't CGI and someone actually put a lot of time into creating uh, this big spiky black metal ball for this movie. Not long after the Event Horizon ship leaves Earth, uh, they fire up the gravity drive somewhere around Neptune, and the ship just disappears. Until seven years later, when it reappears next to Neptune. When the event horizon disappeared, it was a big deal. It was the greatest space disaster in human history because they put so much effort into the ship, you know, venturing to the, you know, past the boundaries of our universe because it had this teleportation thing, right? Um, let's see. The movie follows the rescue rescue crew sent to help any survivors and find out what happened. So again, I won't spoil the movie, but just think, with all the movies we have seen about space exploration that glorify what could be out there in the cosmos, there's an equally likely possibility that what is out there is not glorious, but downright hell. Here is the distress call that Earth got from the Event Horizon ship seven years after its disappearance. I'll warn you, it's only seven seconds long, but it is quite disturbing.
the last movie I want to recommend is Hellraiser. I'm not the only one who recommended it. The movie trailer shows a quote and says, I have seen the future of horror and his name is Clive Barker. Uh, that was Stephen King. So quite high regards there. Hellraiser came out in 1987 and is based on the book The Hellbound Heart. The book was written by Clive Barker and the movie Hellraiser was directed by him too. I rewatched Hellraiser this week to refresh my memory. And besides the marvel that is the special effects for this movie, once again, no CGI for this one, I found myself loving the hokiness that is 80s cinema. <laughs> and there's tons of it. it uh, Hellraiser is chock full of like the nostalgia from the 80s. <laughs> the wardrobe, sets, effects, language used, and even the acting style was retro camp, but it, for Hellraiser, it was in like a disgusting kind of way. The entire movie oozed nastiness. It makes, makes you feel uneasy watching it. There's like the walls seem like they have moisture on them. All the actors are always like sweating and kind of gross. It makes you feel uneasy while watching it. And that feeling is Clyde Barker's way of getting his audience in the right mindset to watch his sadomasochistic torture tale. The movie is once again filled with gore, but this time it isn't science fiction gore like the last two movies. This movie's gore is sexual in nature, and unlike The Thing in Event Horizon, this movie isn't about a small cast of characters in an isolated location fighting an evil entity. This story uses the concepts of heaven and hell and centers around a dysfunctional family. The most interesting character, um, Uncle Frank, is an actual sexual deviant and probably a psychopath, so much so that he seeks out hellish pleasures that are pretty much just flat-out torture. This torture lands Frank in a sticky situation, and in, other, and in order to get out of it, he manipulates and destroys his brother's family. There is adultery, murder, and demons involved. Watching it as a kid was probably not a great idea, but at the same time, it felt sort of enlightening, you know? You know, that's like that first time you watch one of the an R-rated movie as a kid. It's like, oh my gosh, this is what movies are like. <laughs> now, along with being a huge movie buff and knowing all sorts of useless movie trivia, most of my friends and family know I love fun facts. Sometimes I spout them out unprompted because I want to get a conversation going, but not all facts I like or I know are fun. Some of them are downright horrifying. Here are some uh, some to send you off with a chilling thought rattling around in your head. There are 40 supervolcanoes around the world capable of claiming up to a billion lives, and we're about 24,000 years overdue for an eruption. One smack dab in the middle of the U.S. is Yellowstone, and Yellowstone's volcano can comfortably fit the entire massive city of Tokyo inside of it. That's that big, and it's in the middle of the U.S. <laughs> That's not just a West Coast problem, folks. If Yellowstone went off, we'd all be screwed. The reason dogs like squeaky toys is because they mimic the screams of their prey. So they are like little psychopaths running around getting all happy and excited with that adorable squeaking duck that you bought them, but only because it reminds them of the death howls of poor unsuspecting woodland critters that their wolf ancestors used to crunch down on. And not just dogs, though. Probably no surprise, your cat is also a psychopath. Uh, but you should know that if you die alone in your house or more likely your sad basement apartment like me, your cat will get started on feasting on your carcass right away. Cats are sometimes used in nursing homes because they like to sit with patients that are about to die. They can sense it. So if you notice your cat getting extra friendly all of a sudden, there's a chance they aren't, they, you know, aren't just like getting used to you and starting to warm up to you. They're just staking their claim on their next meal, which is you. And 
20% of coffee mugs have traces of fecal, fecal matter on them. How, how wonderful. First thing you, you get uh, in your day to try to help you deal with the day, your coffee probably has poop in it. And your phone, yeah, that silicone box you keep on your person at all times, it has more bacteria than a public restroom. It is the most common place to have human feces on it that we all interact with on a regular basis. Uh, with the second being shopping cart handles. Then there's scaphism. Uh, it was an ancient form of torture and execution where you'd cover someone with honey, stick them in a hallowed out log, and let nature work its course. You'd be eaten to death by bees and other hungry insects. If you want to see what this what this might look like, the show Hannibal, it's available on Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime right now, has a character that is murdered via scaphism. And that show has some of the coolest effects I've ever seen in a television show. Um, they actually... The, the guy was murdered. They lathered him up in honey, like they said, put honeycombs on him, put him in a tree, and then put him in the middle of a parking lot. Like there was a tree growing out of a parking lot, and that's where he put him. So it's pretty brutal looking. Now, for the fact that makes me shiver the most. We all know the chainsaw as the tool that is used to fell trees by lumberjacks and other similar professions, but that's not what it was invented for. There was no cesarean section surgery back in the 1700s, so if a baby was too big or in the breech position, it was common for doctors to use a knife or a saw to deliver the baby by removing part of the mother's pelvic bone. That was until two Scottish doctors invented the chainsaw in 1780. Oh my gosh. To make the removal of pelvic bone easier and less time-consuming during childbirth, it was powered by a hand crank and looked like a modern-day kitchen knife with little teeth on a chain that wound in an oval. Keep in mind, anesthesia was not around during this time. The chainsaw actually made the procedure moderately safer by slightly decreasing the mother's mortality rate during these complicated births. I'm not a fan of my country's healthcare system, but at least they don't take chainsaws to pelvic bones anymore. Jeez Louise. I think the most disturbing part of that is the hand crank part. How clunky, slow, and inaccurate a doctor must have been jamming a chain-tooth knife into those poor women's bodies. Oh, I can practically hear the sawing noise now. Ugh, makes me shiver. Oh. Anyway, thanks for listening, Huda Thunkers. Next week is the last Fright Fest episode of the year, so be sure to tune in. I hope you're as excited as I am, and have a wonderful day. Thank you.